Welcome to PS Let's Talk Love. I'm Marsha. And I'm Solvay. We're communication professors and dating and relationship coaches. And in each episode, we'll be talking about dating, love, relationships, and all their complexities. We're here to help you navigate the sometimes awful, sometimes exhilarating, and oftentimes bonkers elements of all things relationships. We want to emphasize that this podcast is separate from our teaching and research at our university jobs. It is, however, part of our desire to bring dating and relationship support to folks everywhere. Let's talk love. Hello and welcome everyone to episode 25. We're going to be talking about sex, baby. Uh, but before we do that, as we like to start every episode, let's start with what are we loving this week? Solve, what are you loving? Well, I'm going to share with you some things I'm loving, but before I do that, I want to share with you about a phenomenon that I learned about yesterday and that I'm curious if you have heard of. And the phenomenon is apparently at least one Facebook group, if not many, and maybe listeners, you know about this too, but I had not heard about it before. And it is a Facebook group, at least one in Chicago, where the Facebook is called, Are We Dating the Same Man? (laughs) Have you heard of this? Uh, I have not. I've seen some TikToks that are like sort of in that energy, but not, not quite. So my friend was sharing this with me and she's like, I think they're in multiple cities. And I was like, wow. I mean, I have not looked to see if there's one in Alaska yet. Um, And she was saying that it is... At first, I was like, is it more figurative? Like, are we dating Mm -hmm. the same man? Like, here's what someone's behaving like. But apparently, it's like actual photos of different men who are, um, it sounds like mostly behaving poorly in terms of their dating interactions. And people. Shocker. Right. I mean, yeah, but also I don't want to, shocker, but also uh, I don't want to, I don't want to stereotype men in these ways, like personally. But that this was, this is happening and that there's like sort of this record of like men who are behaving poorly online, apparently on dating apps. So she said it was really disheartening <laughs> and made her not want to use online dating apps. But then we were talking just about that, you know, like the things that you and I have talked about before that anyone who's been listening along with us for a while has certainly heard us say about just how there, you know, there are gems on those dating sites. But interesting, huh? Have you heard of this? I, I, I've seen, like I said, I've seen some TikToks where, um, like people have like shown photos or like message about dating the same person, um, unknowingly, like thinking they were in an exclusive relationship or using the online dating platforms to manipulate people. And I think that that is different, but I also am like, oh, it can go south so easily. I know, I know, I know. And I haven't even looked at the groups. I just was thinking about it and thinking, oh, I need to share that on the pod. What an interesting thing. And I'm interested if anyone listening has participated in them or has any insight for us. But so that was a new, that was a new piece of information, a social phenomenon that I did not know about that I wanted to share. In terms personally of what I'm loving and thinking about these days, I just, I kind of want to do a call, callback, is that what we would call it? I don't know. Of, you know, for those of you who've been listening along with us for a while, you know that I have had this international lover turned international friend. I think where we're at right now is that, like, we both really care about one another, but it probably makes sense for us to explore options in the places where we live, you know, Mm -hmm. like to... I mean, as of as of this week, I'll let you know how I feel next week. But, you know, in the most it, what I, I appreciate the practicality of the conversations we're having about like, you know, for me, I really want long term committed relationship. I'd like to build a family with somebody. I'd like to like build a life with somebody. And those things are like hard to figure out from a distance. Not impossible. I know they're not impossible, which is why I even considered getting to know him and dating him in the first place. But, um, it is, it is difficult, you know, for me, like I, and for him too, I think we would want to spend more time together and be around one another more and really understand, like we have seen enough of one another and know one another well enough to know, like, there are some things that maybe we're not as compatible about or around, but also there's a really strong friendship there. And so it's like, which is, (laughs) 
which is more important. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think where we're leaning towards right now is that we're, we're going to be open to seeing other people. Um, but I'm also feeling sad about that a bit because I, cause because of the, I think, investment that we've both made in this relationship with one another. Mm-hmm. I think so, it's why I'm not actively dating right now. You know, like I'm not, when I said, mm-hmm. like, I'm kind of pausing on dating, I'm like trying to figure out what it is I really want amidst this uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough place to be in, right? Like that's where we're going to have a whole episode on uncertainty and relationships is when there's a lot of factors outside your control, it makes things so much more challenging to, to navigate. And obviously like we all have things outside our control, but in this case, there are some pretty significant. Yeah. You know, I, I, for me, the next level, and I think for him, for both of us, the next level, if we were taking it to a next level in this relationship, we would, we, we feel like we would need to be in the same place mm-hmm. and, you know, right now, neither of our um, lives are to- like, it's not that it's not totally easy to figure that out for either mm-hmm. of us. And so it's like, I mean, not that it ever is for anyone. I think we're both trying to figure out, like, do we make that a priority? And if so, that's one direction. The other direction is like, or do we like see other people and see what happens? And like, you know, mm-hmm. the next logical time I could see him would probably be December because that's the end of the semester. And so like, do I just plan on going in December? That means we won't have seen one another for six months again. And I, that's, that's a long time. Yeah, <laughs> It's not impossible, but it's a long time to, to like, especially like, at least for me, like when I'm like deeply desiring, like a, a relationship that is growing and building into something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just thought I'd like loop back mm-hmm. to what's happening personally. I am loving I am loving the fact that he and I have conversations about these things. I love that we can have those kinds of conversations. Mm-hmm. I wish that I had an easier answer. <laughs> yeah. It must start to feel I I'm putting myself more in your shoes now, but I know I like it's a lot of conversation and not a lot of action, right? Cuz there's not really much that you can do in terms of action. I, I, I just can feel myself. I'd be like, Oh, I just would want to make a decision. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. 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 But then when I'm, when I make the decision, okay, like we're just going to be friends. I end up feeling sad about that. So it doesn't mean that that's not what should be the, that, that, that doesn't mean, I mean, people can feel sad about things and they can still be the real thing to the real yeah. thing and the right thing to do. But I'm just, you know, I'm very aware that I feel sad about that when that comes up and that I haven't done a lot to like try to pursue other experiences yet. And I might, you know, after this conversation today, it sounds like maybe that's like what we're both going to try to do, but also don't hold me to that podcast listeners. I don't know what I'm doing next. I'm still (laughs) processing. (laughs) There is so much value in exploring what else is out there though it, when you're in a situation like this like not if you're in a committed monogamous relationship yeah, no yeah, totally. <laughs> but totally. you know when you're in in a little bit more of an, an ambiguous space there is a lot of value in seeing like can I be excited about getting to know some other people is there someone else that I can feel connected to like there is I think a lot of value in exploring those things because I mean, I, don't, I think I've said this before on the podcast. I firmly believe there's not just one person out there for us, right? Like I have Dustin and I also believe Chris Evans is my other person. Oh my gosh. I totally thought of you. I'm sure you've seen the things. Oh yeah. Looking for a partner. I almost sent you one. <laughs> like 400 people sent me the sure. link to where he it. was like, I'm, I'm, what did he say? Like. Like he's making finding a partner a priority or something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, jokes, all jokes, all jokes. But but I do firmly believe that um, Chris Evans, if you're out there and listening. <laughs> kidding, kidding. Marcia, I would at least like to meet you. Sure, meet. <laughs> Among other things. Uh but, but in all seriousness, I really do believe that there's far more than one person out there for, you know, like there's, I feel like there's like this threshold of like, okay, this is somebody that I can, can like live with long-term that I feel connected to, like all those factors, they, they check the boxes. And then it's like just a, a whole leap of faith. 
because there's lots of people that could check those boxes and then you just have to like decide to go at it together. Um, so if you can find someone else that you're excited about that makes, and, and same goes for him too, right? That makes sense and is more logistically available. <laughs> I, I mean, I think there's a lot of value in that. Doesn't make it any easier though. No. And I think there have been times in my life where like, I was like super excited, super open and excited. I mean, I've been on so many dates, you know, I've been, I've like dated so, so much that I'm like the idea of like, that is not super tempting to me, but I also hear what you're saying and that like, mm-hmm. I, I think it might be an interesting experiment and you're right. It is a different thing. I haven't done that in the past while I've been pretty mm-hmm. focused on him or on not or on not dating you know either one like either I haven't just haven't been dating or I have been like focused on that dynamic so yeah to be continued but mm-hmm. I, I thought I'd give a little update yeah. um thank you for you the update. this week you're welcome what are you loving this week uh I'm loving nothing this week I am just oh. having a real shit go of it and I'm sorry listeners oh. you're just gonna have to listen to me complain for a little bit I think it was last episode I talked about how maybe it was a couple episodes ago like finally I had a horrible rash for like the first yeah. full month of six weeks of summer and it finally had gone away and it was like yes. it had no sooner gone away than I have like the worst it band injury now which it bands for anyone anyone who is like a runner probably knows what i'm talking about if you don't it's this like band that runs from your knee to your hip it's really common to get it band injuries or have tight it bands if you're a runner or a cyclist um I mean, you can also have it for other reasons, but it's common in those sports. I have never had trouble with my IT band in my entire life. I have been running avidly for over a decade. Uh, I have no idea why this all of a sudden just like acted up to the point where I cannot run full stop. Like I can't take a step running without it feeling like a knife is shooting into the side of my thigh. Oh no. Just excruciating pain, which like I listeners, I run every day. And like, that's not like, I'm not being like, I'm not exaggerating. Like literally every single day of the week I run and And like 10 miles. Right. I mean, like not not even, this is not like I go on a, you know, 10 minute run. You're like, I run for like an hour, right? Yeah. Yeah. I average about 10 miles a day and I have run through plenty of pain. Like I have run through other smaller injuries or like discomforts and, um, it's not always like the most pleasant, but usually, honestly, it usually goes away in a couple of days. Like it's kind of uncomfortable for a couple of days and then it goes away. Um, so this is the longest I have just like full on cannot like again, so bad that I cannot push through it and run, which is what I would normally do. And I am just like, seriously, (laughs) I, I like, I feel like I haven't been able to enjoy the summer at all. It's just really annoying. I'm going to a physical therapist. I'm kind of annoyed at her because she's not being aggressive with treatment because I'm not like, I I think she specializes in like people who had surgery and then are just trying to get mobility back. And I'm like, no, like how, what are, what are the things that I can do to be back running as soon as possible in a way that's not going to create more injury. Right. Right, And I'm just, feeling really frustrated because I keep coming to her, the professional who I am paying a lot of money to help me and being like, well, what about this? And what about that? And there's just been numerous times now where I have suggested something like, just as an example, like I was like, well, what about like a massage gun thing? Like, would that help in certain areas? And she's like, I mean, I guess if you have one and I was like, well, I do. So like, can you tell me, would that be helpful? And she was like, well, yeah, so your homework is to do like this spot and this spot. I'm like, when I asked you a week ago, if there's literally anything else in the world that I could be doing to improve this, why would you not say, hey, if you have a massage gun, that would be a helpful thing to do. There's just been like, 
I'm just frustrated. I also, because I, because we have a background in academics, I was like, well, I'm going to look at articles, like academic peer-reviewed articles about this type of injury. And the same thing, like I found a thing today that was like exactly my injury. I mean, literally on a person who is like, like it is another me, right? Mm -hmm. Same age, like similar mileage, avid runner, same injury. And they did like some manipulation on their back because their back was tight and that's Mm -hmm. what was causing it. And I'm like, why has she not (laughs) looked Mm -hmm. at my, not even looked. So anyway, that I'm just feeling a lot of frustration. I think I'm just like, oh, I just want it to be easy. I want it to be a good summer. I want to be able to just like go for a run (laughs) and not worry about a rash or now an injury. Oh my gosh, that sucks. I'm so sorry to hear that. And I know that that is like, I know how, I know that that, I mean, what was it last week that that started? When did it start last week? Yeah, it was last. So it's been about 12 days, Yeah, I think. I know that's a big deal. And also, as you had shared with me, you're like, that's like part. And I think you shared that on the pod too, that that's a part of your self-care, right? So it's like a really important thing to you. Yeah. It's like a huge, I mean, it's more mental for me than anything. Totally. Totally. And it, and nothing scratches that itch, like in the same way, like we have a spinning bike that I've been using, but I fucking hate biking. (laughs) I hate it. (laughs) I have to be on it for two hours to like get the same, not even quite the same level of workout because I'm trying to keep my cardio up while Mm. I can't run. And it's just agony. I'm just like staring at the clock the entire time. <laughs> You're seriously biking for two hours? Yes. Oh my goodness. It's agony. And so, and also I'm sorry, my physical therapist, if you for some reason listen to this, but <laughs> I probably will have already told you this in person. I mean, is there any way that I can support you right now other than listening? Like I'm assuming you've thought about lots of things. Uh, and also listeners, if anybody's listening and is like, I know a thing. Yeah, I'm open. Right into us and let us know. <laughs> yeah, I want to be running. I think it's good Better for everyone. For the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so cranky. I'm like crying all the time. It's withdrawals. It's so hard. <laughs> so anyway, that's that not way. what I'm loving. But that's what's but happening. It's what's happening. It's what I'm not loving right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was probably a, a long enough check-in. You guys want to get into talking about sex? Let's do it. <laughs> I'm so excited about this spicy episode when we get to talk about a topic that we haven't really talked about at all yet on the podcast. I know, which which is is strange. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be fun. So we're going to talk about sex today. And obviously in dating and relationships, this is for many people a pretty big deal. (laughs) Kind of important. It's pretty important. I think it's important to also acknowledge it's not important to everyone, but it is important to a lot of people. And so what we're going to do is talk about some different things that come up for our clients when we're thinking about sex and dating and relationships. And we hope that this sparks more conversation. If you're listening and you want us to, you know, if we don't get to a topic that you're like, oh my gosh, please talk about whatever and sex, you'd let us know. And we will talk more about it. But we're beginning the conversation today. Whenever uh, people say, let's talk about sex, I think of that song. That song. And I, I, I wish <laughs> I knew who, like, I, I do not have an encyclopedic uh, knowledge of musicians and song titles, but like the, let's talk about sex, baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I also have either. no musical talent. So <laughs> that's as much as I will sing. <laughs> so... I think we'll, we'll, we'll start off talking about sex and dating and we'll see where the conversation goes. Does that sound good? Yeah, I think that that sounds good. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. I mean, when, when we're dating, I, I think most of our listeners are people who are, you know, if we look at our, if we look at y'all and what we know about y'all, 
many of you are in your 30s, 40s. We know there's some, you know, people in other age groups. But my my, my guess is that many of you have been thinking about sex <laughs> for a while and navigating this in your own relationship. So I hope that what we talk about today reinforces things for you um, and also helps you to just have some some curiosity with yourself about where where you stand when it comes to sex. I, I think the first thing to be curious about is what what do you actually think about sex, right? Like what do you think about that as um, <laughs> is it important to you? Is it unimportant to you? Like how do you approach the idea of being sexual in your dating relationships? There's a lot of questions I know people have about when is the right time to have sex. But I think even before that, Honestly, especially, I'm just going to say especially for women, but I also think this applies to men too, obviously, is like, do you think it's okay to have sex early on? Like, do you think sex is okay? Do you judge yourself a lot when it comes to sex? What sort of uh, like experiences, positive or negative, have you had when it comes to sex in the past? Well, I think as we approach this, one of the really valuable things to dig into is like what what individually you think about sex and kind of where that comes from. I think like, I, I tend to think everyone is like a little bit fucked up in the head when it comes to their approach to sex, or at least that's where we start. Like we start a disaster and then evolve hopefully Mm -hmm. through, you know, listening to podcasts like this or Mm -hmm. therapy or reading a lot of books or you know what insert whatever thing helps you start to evolve our thoughts around it I I just speaking personally about you know as a person who grew up in the 90s and aughts and the messages we had about sex and specifically women's approach to sex Right? Like it's really loaded. Oh, it's so complicated. I think that's shifting. I mean, I do think that's shifting. Yeah. So for people who are listening who are younger than what I just mentioned, you may have, and I hope, I hope, hope, hope you do have a different perspective from what those of us who grew up in the 80s and 90s um, had when it comes to sex. But it's just, I, I, I think even still it's complicated and I really appreciate, you know, I mean, I want to honor that there are people who have like really traumatic experiences when it comes to their sexual history and what has happened. And so just know that we're going to talk a lot about sex today and we are really like mindful of the fact that people have really different experiences when it comes to this. So when you say we have fucked up (laughs) things that happen around sex, like, yeah, they might be really, really like really hard things that have happened to you that hopefully you have received support to help you process. If you haven't, like here's just an invitation right now that, you know, that is a lot of what people do is work to heal from those traumatic, perhaps traumatic experiences that you might have had around sex, even if you haven't had like whatever people say capital T trauma around Mm -hmm. your sexual background. For most of us, at least, yeah, let's say growing up in the 80s and 90s, um, there there might have been some really mixed messages for you around Mm -hmm. what is okay for you and sex. So for example, this did not happen in my family background. My family background, we just mostly didn't talk about sex. Like I remember, <laughs> like we most, that's the biggest thing. Like we mostly just didn't talk about sex. And I remember like my mom, my my parents were super protective. And so like even watching movies, we weren't allowed to watch rated R movies until I was in a, like my teenage years. Even then I remember that I really wanted to watch this movie that said, on the description that there was heavy petting in it. <laughs> what a weird description. <laughs> heavy petting. This movie has heavy petting in it. For anyone who's watched the movie Shag, it's the movie Shag. And I remember like having to have this really big long conversation with my mom about like wanting to see this movie and her being really concerned that it had heavy petting in it. <laughs> Oh my so God. weird, right? So my experience, like growing up, was of like a really like my mom would fast forward sex scenes. I'm, I'm not. I shouldn't just say my mom, but like it was both my parents. But my mom was sort of like leading the charge of like fast forwarding the sex scenes so that I we didn't see them, right? Like mm-hmm. not or like standing in front of the TV when we were children, so we didn't see those things. And I understand that like idea. I understand what she was trying to do, and I'm not like 
faulting her per se for that. Um, I know that my parents did the best they could, but it was like this really confusing message of like, well, this isn't something you should do. But then I do remember like to also my mom's conversation, to her credit, like when I was like 16 or 17 and saying that it was okay if I wanted to get birth control and I could get birth control if that's what I wanted. At the time, though, I'm just going to say one other thing about this. You know, my best friend was really, really like very Christian and her family was all about not having sex until marriage. So because I spent so much time with her family, I also had this very strong message of not having sex until marriage. Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) there were, you know, on one hand, my mom's like covering up the TV to not watch sex scenes, but saying it's okay for me to have birth control. Like that was the best that like. She, I guess my dad just didn't talk to me about it. I think that's why I'm mostly saying my mom. I don't yeah. think my dad talked to me at all. And then also having this other really strong influence in my life that said, like, essentially sex is only something you do with one other person, obviously a man, <laughs> like in this case, like according to like this religious perspective, right? And like, you definitely shouldn't do it until you're married. And that was a very strong, like in Fairbanks, Alaska, really strong influence of like, this is what and how to approach sex for you, if you're willing to share, like what was your, some of your earlier influences when it comes to sex? I, well, first I want to just say, I think that your experience, especially with the don't have sex till marriage, like that mentality is pretty common. Like we hear that you a think lot. Even still though? I mean, I know obviously, obviously in certain like co-culture, like yeah. in the Christian co-culture or whatever, that's, in, that is a thing that said. <laughs> yes. Yeah, which there are a lot of people that are a part of that co-culture. So, yes. Yeah, yeah. And I think, like, that introduces, like, this whole level of shame and, like, there's just a lot to it. Yeah. I So, I grew up on a farm. So, I knew the basics of, like, sex and and how it... (laughs) Yeah, procreation. Like, I was very familiar with that from an extremely young age, um, which is, was, like, just that alone is helpful, right? Like, you hear about people who don't know the mechanisms of procreation. And I think, like, you know, just seeing it all the time... (laughs) In, not all the time, but like, you know, you see it. <laughs> it was common. It was it. common. It was commonplace. And you probably yeah. talked about it with your parents because at some point they were talking about what was happening, right? Y- yeah. And it was, and and I think because it's just, it's like, it's the reality of your life, right? And it, 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 it is the reality of nature. And yeah. Yeah. they approached it very much that way, right? Like, um, but it, it wasn't a really nice way of learning about like that side of sex, like the more biological elements of it um, really, really early. Like, I mean, I, I really don't know that I could tell you I remember a time when I didn't have some knowledge of how everything worked. Um, so like that's my early <laughs> introduction to mm-hmm. sex in terms of attitudes. So my family isn't particularly religious. Um And I know in terms of like things we would watch my mom's favorite movies that were on, like kind of on a loop in our house. Cause like we didn't have cable growing up Mm. or anything. Um, And my mom was a homemaker for like the first 15 or so years of my life. So, you know, she's around the house doing farm stuff. Uh, But in the winter, Last of the Mohicans and Dances with Wolves were on a lot. (laughs) This is like so early 90s. (laughs) I love it. I love it. But so I I weirdly was just reflecting on this recently, too. You know, like there are some I'm sure that there's elements of those movies that are problematic, given that they have a lot of indigenous Mm -hmm. elements. And I I haven't revisited them, so I don't know for sure. I haven't revisited Dances with Wolves anyway. but what I do think is that there are some pretty significant sex scenes in those movies, but they're very like sensual and romantic. Mm. <laughs> like it's like it seems that the people are connected, like everyone is consenting. As far as I remember, I mean, there could be something horrible in them that I'm forgetting. But my memory of them, looking back, is I'm like, well, like of all the sex scenes that I had to watch in shows, like that those were probably pretty healthy ones to see because it, they were very like seeped in romance and connection and this like intimacy. And 
I like, it's just funny looking back on it now. I'm like, Oh, well, actually, you know, grand, grand scheme of things, those were probably the, the better ones to see. Yeah. Uh, not bad. Not bad. I mean, I can't remember either. Although side note, remember, remind me to tell you the story sometime. Well, the summary of the story is the worst trouble I ever got in as a teenager was sneaking into a rated R movie, which was Last of the Mohicans. Oh, I feel like you would have liked, did you like Last of the Mohicans? I did, but just hear yeah. me, the most trouble I ever got into. <laughs> That's what you, and that was on on a loop in my house. That's so funny. Anyways. <laughs> We'll come back to that story sometime. I just have a real fondness in my heart for Last of the Mohicans. And like, it, like again, uh-huh. I haven't watched it in a very long time. We should probably both watch it again and see if yeah. it's actually a good movie still. But it does have Daniel D. Lewis in it. I feel like it's not bad. Yeah, I think it's – I've seen it relatively recently, like within probably the last five years. And I'm not mad at any of it. I'm like still like extremely attracted to everyone in that movie. The soundtrack, such a good movie. Yeah. Speaking of those kind of movies, I'm like, oh, my sexy influence was Dirty Dancing. Oh, I feel like that's a classic one. But I wasn't able to watch it until I was like 17 or something. Again, there was heavy petting in it, Marsha, and I didn't. <laughs> they were dan- they were dirty dancing. They were dirty dancing. <laughs> anyways go on anyway so those were my like tv media um influences my mom did talk about sex with me quite a bit my mom's a real um fan of the getting you in a vehicle with her on a drive and then she's gonna tell you things and you're like great this is mortifying um but she i think she did do a good job of like she explained you know, with like, talk to me about like, I don't even remember specifics now, although I will say like, I knew a lot about birth control and like, Mm -hmm. I suppose the other thing that did put a little bit of fear in me as a child or as an adolescent, I suppose not a child, but Mm -hmm. teen youth, um, is she was very upfront about which of me and my siblings were planned pregnancies and which were not. Oh, interesting. Okay. So fun fact, I'm an accident. I was a real whoopsie doopsie. Um, and I also like, she had an IUD in when she became pregnant with me. Wow. Right. Like yeah. I'm an IUD baby, which wow. is like, it's like the failure rate of IUDs is like 0.001%. Like oh. it's very low. I mean, also that was like, you know, almost 40 years ago. So <laughs> it's changed. If you have an IUD currently calm down, it's okay. Um, I always joke that it, that's why I'm so tall is because they, she had to make a decision. They, she could either continue with the pregnancy with the IUD in, and it could be like it would be a pretty rough pregnancy because a lot of things could happen or she could take it out and the odds like were pretty good that it would cause an abortion mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. but if not the pregnancy would be totally normal okay and hey spoiler alert guys i'm here i'm here <laughs> <laughs> it worked it worked out and she okay. made the yeah she made the choice to to take it out because she was like well i don't like that's not a good life to give or like, that's not how I want to have my first child is like potentially almost dying um, by having a troubled pregnancy and, and clearly like not planned. And I joke that that's why I'm so tall. It's like, I just hung on and it stretched me a little bit when they yanked that thing out. (laughs) Um, Interesting though. Yeah. That is interesting. I don't know. I don't know if you've told me that before. Yeah. Yeah. Which like also fun fact, I haven't, when I got an IUD as my contraception, it was like this, like probably not genetic, right. That I, (laughs) my doctor's like a lot, she kind of looked at me like you're an idiot and was like, I think a lot has changed in like 30 years. Marsha, calm down. (laughs) I was like, okay. Um, So anyway, you know, she talked a lot about how you know, which of us were accidents. My middle brother is the only one who was a planned pregnancy. My younger brother was a condom baby, which again, not a question I asked my mom in my teen years, but she felt very confident telling me. Interesting. Yeah. It sounds like she was a lot more comfortable talking about sex than my, I mean, again, like I'm not trying to be hard on my mom. I think we did talk about it. I just remember it being really, really uncomfortable, but also always knowing that I could get birth control if I needed it, which I really appreciate. 
Yeah. I think my mom was real chill about it. I think that's one thing that she had, like, I think she has like a really good attitude around it in that way that she didn't make it feel like a big deal. Like I said, like we'd be in the car and she'd be talking and she would bring things up. Mm-hmm but it wasn't, it never felt like, you know, I always feel like there's a stereotypical, like, okay, we're going to sit our kid down and have like the talk. talk. Right. And I never really got that because it was sort of dispersed and it was contextual. And like, like a girl from my high school class when we were 14, so it was our first year of high school was pregnant. And like, she kind of like checked in with me and like, I mean, I was not, (laughs) anywhere close to having sex with anyone at that point but like I think she just like kind of checked back in with me about relationships and birth control and that like she used those kind of things as a touch point and the other thing I will just say this and then we can talk about you know more things related to sex that she was real good about letting me get like magazines and stuff that talked about sex for teenagers, like 17 and Mm -hmm. Cosmo Mm -hmm. and like for all the faults that there are about those magazines. And there are many, Mm -hmm. one thing that I do think was really valuable is like, as a, you know, as a teen who's forming ideas around sex, Cosmo at least wasn't slut shamey. Yeah. Right. It was more sex positive. It was way more sex language. Yeah. 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 And, and like talked about female pleasure and talked about like confidence. And I think that that was really valuable for me to, and she never like, like she let me have a subscription to it, which I was Mm -hmm. definitely like maybe a little too young for, (laughs) but it was so valuable. I, I just like count that as something that has, that really influenced my perspective on sex from an early age. And I think has made me have a more positive view of it. That's really a better relationship with it. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm trying to remember when I started reading those magazines, but I also, I think I was able to read those magazines, I think when I was a teenager, I can't really remember right now. But yeah, for me, I just remember there being really conflicting messages, like on one side, like sex being okay, and it being this thing that was really like a neat thing that people did. And like, it was fun. Mm -hmm. And on this other hand, being like, Oh, it's something that's very specific that you wait. And 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 to be fair for me and for anyone else who might be in this experience, I do remember um, when I, you know, in my teenage years, I wasn't super interested in having sex. Like I was kind of curious, but like not super interested. And when I did finally have sex, I think I was like 19. And I remember because of that, like serious influence of waiting to have sex until you're married, I felt so guilty. Like I felt Aww. so much shame around having sex for the first time, even though it was like with a, with someone who I'd been in a relationship for a long time, it wasn't necessarily like it was, a, it was, I think it was a pretty good experience for the first time having sex. But I remember feeling so many mixed emotions because it was like fun and it was a cool thing to do. But also I felt so guilty. Like I had let something down. And then side note for me, I immediately got a UTI, a urinary tract infection. Those of you who get them know what they are, right? I didn't know what they were. And I definitely had a thought in my mind that God is punishing me because I had sex before marriage because I didn't know what it was. I was just like peeing blood and like, oh my gosh, like finally I admitted to an adult, like I had sex. (laughs) And they got me to a doctor and I was able to like find out it was a urinary tract infection and that's what was happening. But like there were so many confusing and I mean, that's just one story, right? Like we all have different stories of like the first time we had sex and how we felt about it. But I think back to that, that part of me and I'm like, oh my gosh, like that was a confusing time. (laughs) That was a very confusing time. And, and, and I actually, at some point, do you want to share like how I shifted out of that? Because I did Mm -hmm. shift out of that perspective, but it was a really confusing time. Yeah. I mean, I think like, like you said, there's so much shame potentially wrapped up in it. And yeah, I, (laughs) although I will say I had it a different, when I was going to college, I was like, 18 and like okay I'm headed to college I was like I need to have sex for the first time oh, I need okay. like you were ready I, you're like I've read the cosmos I, know I was what this like is. I was yeah. like I sorry mom if you're listening to this because <laughs> I don't know if you want to hear all of this but <laughs> I went in like I want to like have some casual sex and like wow. enjoy my college life but I don't want to go in at like 
I need to, I need to have sex for the first time though. Cause I like want to, yeah. re- wanted to remove that pressure. So like, I was just like, let's get this over with so I can go have some fun. Um, yeah. fun fact, I immediately got into a three-year relationship. <laughs> With the with the first person yes. you had sex with? Oh, yes. you were like, oh, wait, actually, I like this person. I don't know how it happened. Okay. I mean, I do, okay. but it was just like, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, this will be fun. And then I was in a relationship with him for like three years. Oh, interesting. But you had started off thinking like, this will just be casual and I'll get to have sex. And like, then I'll get that part of my life started. Yeah, kind of. Because I was just like, it's college. That's what everyone does, right? Like, you just go and you have fun. And yeah, I, I had a very different story in my mind of what was going to happen and then same guy so interesting I mean I will just say and then we can move on from this but I really held on to that like I ended up having a serious boyfriend you know and throughout out all of my university years so it wasn't until I was like 24 25 honestly I mean that Mm -hmm. that patterning of like there's some level of guilt that I should feel about this because like clearly I'd messed up. I was not married and I'd already had sex and then I was having more sex lasted honestly until for me, I went and studied in Norway um, in my mid twenties and I started realizing that, and I'm, I mean, for anyone who's Scandinavian, who's listening, I'm sorry if I'm not understanding this about culture now, but as an American who was studying in Scandinavia and in Norway, the people that I was around started explaining to me that like sex was really no big deal and people had Mm -hmm. casual like kind of like your approach like people had casual sex all the time and that you could definitely do it and like it was really no big deal and there was no slut shaming and it was like totally fine like like what to me was like major promiscuity was like just like a thing that like people did in that culture which and again like sorry if this is if I misinterpreted (laughs) but for me what happened was I released the shame and the guilt Mm -hmm. around this and started viewing it like a thing that was really fun to do and cool and neat to be able to experience and as long as you were doing it safely and not creating harm with someone else like why not and that was revolutionary for me in my life like I don't, I hopefully would have gotten that message somewhere else, but I attribute it to that time in Scandinavia where I was like, wow, people I respect have different opinions about this. And actually I like their opinions more. Yeah. Well, I think like, I I think it is a more American view to have more shame around sex is my understanding. This weird puritanical, like, okay, we're all like, people are watching porn all the time and, you know, like we're sex cells and all of that. We like have this very confusing relationship and with, with like sexuality in general. Mm -hmm. And, but also like, don't do that until you're married, which again, hopefully is changing, but like that really messes with your mind. So all of that to say, like, as we're sharing these experiences, think about this for yourself. Like, what were your early influences when it came to sex and how do those things play out? How have you either intentionally shifted something or if you're still, like, negotiating your own relationship to sex, like, what do you think about it? What are your attitudes? And, like, are there places where you feel guilt or shame or something else that are, like, perhaps impacting your dating life, right? think about dating I still see these messages all the time of like oh well you should wait like x amount of time to have sex to assert power in a relationship or have control in a relationship especially early on in dating a lot of discussion we could have around potentially getting to know someone before you have sex with them if you're thinking about a long-term relationship and also I don't know that it matters that much And I think really what matters is how you feel about it. Like if you don't feel comfortable having sex with somebody until you know them a little bit better, I think that's what we want to get to is you being able to recognize like what is motivating it. Because I totally get that. I get like being like, "Eh, I need to like know you a little bit before you are inside me. Mm -hmm. That's fair. And then also some people might be like, no, I don't. They, for whatever reason, they're horny enough (laughs) that they want to have sex earlier on. And from what I have seen with research, and I can't cite a specific study because I don't have it written down in front of me, but I know I did read this, that the biggest influence in terms of when you have sex in relationships is how the people feel about it, like their attitudes Mm -hmm. around it. So like, you know, you might hear the, the colloquialism of like, 
wait to have sex. Otherwise the person won't respect you. Women hear this. Like let's, let's call this what it is. Women mm-hmm. here, like don't have sex with a dude too quick because then he'll lose respect or he'll lose interest or whatever. The, what the research shows is if, if the people involved have a positive attitude around sex and around hooking up, that's not going to influence the outcome of the relationship. If there's like weirdness or shame or judgment or or judgment, then that is what is going to dictate whether or not the sex impacts the longevity of the relationship. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, which is just the invitation, first of all, to think then what do you, what do you think, right? If you feel like I'd really like, just like you said, Marsha, if you think I'd really prefer to know someone before I become physically intimate or sexually intimate with them, that's great. Like we, we are going to advocate for you to do what feels good to you. Right. But just to make sure that it's like within your values and that you're checking in with yourself about what your attitudes are, what shaped your opinion and whether you still agree with that, right? No matter where you are, do you still agree with that? Um, there's a lot to be said for like being choosing to have a time in your life if it feels like this is fun for you to have casual sex, right? If you are like, I just want to hook up for a little while and that's actually what I'm looking for, as long as you know that and you're communicating that clearly to other people, you know, for a lot of us, that's not that big of a deal. <laughs> In fact, it's really fun and awesome. <laughs> yeah, I want to like, hear those stories. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I have personally definitely had seasons of my life where that, it, you know, yeah, I was open to something more serious happening. But what I I think sex is fun and it was fun to be able to have sex and like get to experience, you know, that part of life that can be really, really fun. But again, it has to be it has to feel safe and fun to you for that to be and okay for you and unapologetic for you. And you have to believe in your worthiness enough that like that is an okay thing that doesn't come with all kinds of confusing other feelings. If you have people in your life who are more judgmental about those things and do make you feel more shameful, like looking at those relationships too, right? Like friends or family members, you know, there's a balance with everything, right? Like if somebody is like, Hey, I'm concerned about you because you seem to be going out every night and coming home with a different person every night and getting really drunk every night. Like there's a difference between being like, Hey, are you good? Like, right. Is there right. I mean, you just added on? in also like substance use, right? Like getting, right. If you're also getting right. drunk every night and like making some other choices that are like questionable. It's like, it's, it's a combination of, of like maybe a few things where you're like, that seems just odd. It just seems odd. There's a difference between, you know, like I certainly have had people in my life who I have talked to about that kind of thing and been like, look, if you want to just like have sex with people and enjoy yourself, like I, this is not a judgment, but like, there's a lot of other things that seem to be happening around that, that make me a little concerned. Yeah. yeah. Are you good? And maybe they're like, yeah, I'm good for now. But there's a difference between doing that and like shaming someone for having multiple partners within a X amount of time. Like, I don't even know, like, what's the appropriate, like, how long are you supposed to wait? Like, there's so many weird rules we have that are so stupid. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. As long as you're good with you and you're not harming someone else, right? I mean, I think those are, to me, those are like, if I'm clear and if somebody else is clear with me and we're able to like have clear expectations and you're also clear on what it is that you want and you're not, you know, I mean, if those things are the things that are happening, then my goodness for me, if I'd waited until marriage, what, I'd still not have sex? Like, man, thank goodness I didn't do that, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's such a part of life. Yeah. It's such a cool part of life. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So for, I mean, basically just to go back to what you said earlier, Marsha, like there, there are no set rules around like when, if you're dating someone, when you have sex with them or not, it really has to do with the two of you or however many people are involved in the relationship and whether you both feel comfortable and what you're comfortable with and how you communicate about expectations, which does hear us mean that on some level you have to be a courageous adult and have conversations about things that might be uncomfortable. Yeah. Grow up. If yeah. you're going to have sex, you need to do it. You need yeah, to you need to grow. yeah, you need to be an emotional adult as best you can. I, clearly not everybody is an emotional adult that's having sex, but like as best you can. And that means some important conversations and or 
behaviors that you take responsibility for in yourself, right? Like if you're dating, how do you how do you communicate about these things in what what are the things that you think are most important, Marsha, in terms of like how you communicate or what you communicate about if you're dating and having sex? Well, I mean, I think like if we're looking at it in categories, I would say three big categories, right? Like the safe sex of it all, the like contraception, STI, STD prevention, like, like that kind of stuff. There's a combo there, like a, I guess, sexual health combo. Mm -hmm. Then there's the other area is consent and like navigating consent. Um, and then the last one is it's talking about like a little bit more of what you need or what you want in order to have the experience be pleasurable. And that's something that like maybe is ongoing throughout the interaction. So I'm, I love that. I love those those different areas of like, yeah, being able to talk about um, whether you're on whether you're using birth control, right? If you're if you're having sex with someone, whether you're using birth control, um, whether you're using condoms, right? Like what are the things that you know about your, do you need, do you both, if, if it, does it make you both feel more comfortable if you both get an STI check before you start having sex? Like what are the things that are going to make you feel safe and secure in the, in the relationship in terms of those things? Relationship being like, are we Whatever. having, could, like, right? Like could be all kinds of, all kinds of relationships, but what are those basic conversations that you feel like you need to have to be clear with another person? Well, and I mean, just to like, not to be a, like a real downer right now, but to look at this in terms of context, like as reproductive rights are taken away from us, specifically the contraception side of things is really important mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that like that is extremely significant now more than I mean it always has been but more than ever like I think it just kind of re-illuminates how essential it is to have some really important conversations around that um do you mean like if I get pregnant XYZ yeah. like this is yeah 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 I mean that is interesting right I mean depending on what phase of life you're in being able to be clear about that with another person is uh is pretty valuable yeah I mean I just think if if I were single now and I were like engaging in sexual relationships with men mm -hmm. then like I would have, I would feel like I needed to have a little bit more thoughtful conversations around like their thoughts around my, like around abortion, around things like that. You're talking about if you're actually informed. dating somebody, right? Are you talking about like, cause honestly, if it's know. your, if you're just hooking up with somebody, well, it's your choice in your body, right? Like, it's like, you don't need to go back and tell them like, Hey, just so you know, I'm going to choose abortion. It's true. Although I don't know that I would want to have sex with anyone that didn't think that. <laughs> I know. I know. I know you, I know, I know this about you, but I'm just thinking about like in another situation. I mean, you know, what you choose yeah. to do your choice right and 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 also like if that's something that's important to you I mean there we we talked in other episodes about how you know in the in this whatever we are modern postmodern world of dating I don't know what we'll call it right like there are things about uh yeah things that you might want to talk about with somebody and this might be one of them we were talking I think about vaccines before but like you know maybe there are things that you want to know about the person like their stance on abortion might be something you want to talk about depending I mean definitely if you're yeah. dating someone and it's like you know you're gonna be dating them for a while it's probably worth having yeah I like I think that, that I have a longer thing that I could say about that related to like some of the laws that are coming out of some of the southern states yeah. in terms of people yeah. being able to like turn people in for abortion like uh, I think, yeah I don't want to catastrophize a disproportionately high amount of the burden falls on women mm -hmm. in this or people who can become pregnant mm -hmm. in this mm -hmm. case and I just think that these are important things to keep in mind when you're engaging in sexual relationships with people also, this was having, supposed to be a fun. <laughs> it's going to get back no. to fun. Also, having like really, um, as best you can, honest conversations about STIs. There mm -hmm. are a lot of STIs that are very common. So I just want to invite everyone to like think about and learn about those. The learn about STIs for yourself so that you understand when someone like a lot of I've coached a lot of people recently that have struggled with like having been diagnosed with herpes, for example, and having to think about like, when do I have this conversation and how, di 
different people react to those things. I just think it's I, I think in this conversation, I want to invite everyone to 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 do whatever is important to you to learn about those things so that you can decide and make informed choices and also be really honest with someone else um, if there is like if you have an STI that you're willing to talk about it and ooh that's vulnerable but it is something that's really valuable so that we give people informed choice around like our own sexual health and their sexual health as well. Super important. And also like, let's remove stigma around this. This was, a, totally. see, this is another thing that I feel like totally. was really valuable in those like silly teen magazines is they talked a lot about ST. I mean, they call, we call them STDs at the time, but like mm-hmm. the treatment of them that a lot of STDs and STIs are extremely treatable and totally. you take an antibiotic and it's over. And there are some that are viral and there's medication that you take now. And like, just because somebody has one of these things doesn't like make them a lesser person, like literally gross, right? Yeah. 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 I think this is important. I know you and I have talked about rebranding herpes to be HSV2, (laughs) which we're just gonna, we're just gonna start here in this conversation. What are we talking about? Other political platforms? One of our other political platforms is rebrand (laughs) herpes and call it HSV2 and just stop like everybody's stressing it. I mean, whatever, everybody do what you want to do about it. But like, there are just, there's like some antiquated ideas about these things being gross or horrible that we also get to look at for ourselves. And I think it's about attitude, right? Like we have to hold more than one thing in our hands at a time. You cannot want to oh, contract yeah. these not things. Want okay. Like a, yeah, or right. HPV or whatever the thing is. Clearly. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. Like, of course. I think like I think given an opportunity, anyone's like, I would rather not have any right. sort of I, medical condition. And all for sure. we know, it's like a reality that is a risk that you engage in anytime you are having sex with a new partner. Let's all be grownups about this and understand that it's just part of life. And, you know, you can do all the mitigation stuff and also not shame people having one of these things or having had one of these things or anything like that, or wanting to have a conversation about these things or being tested for these things. Right. Or wanting, right. Or really being, really being important to have your partner take a test before you, if you're like in an ongoing sexual relationship with someone, right. Um, It's also valuable to find out, are they having sex with other people? Honestly, Mm -hmm. just along those lines, like, especially in like newer dating relationships, if there's no if there's no discussion about you two being exclusive, then likely they are sleeping with other people too. Like until you actually have, just just assume, yeah. <laughs> assume and and or if you are dating and you know you're sleeping with multiple people, might as well be straightforward about that, right? If you're the person, again, let's be grownups here. Like if you are <clears throat> grown up enough to like be having sex, then you are grown up enough to say, hey, I'm not being exclusive right now. Just so you know, I have multiple partners, but we always use condoms or whatever the thing is that is like mm-hmm. the the way that you're caring for your sexual health if you are like having sex with multiple people. Yeah. I think a trend that I'm noticing as as we talk about these different issues that could be more serious or or not is the way that you approach them is so important. Like if mm-hmm. you make a huge, huge, huge deal about having sex with other people in this case, sure. or if you're like calm about it, if you're confident in your, what you are doing and you are being ethical and kind in allowing anyone else you're having sex with to know that, like if you treat it nonchalantly, then it doesn't bring as much weight. But when you make a huge, huge deal about things, mm-hmm. then that brings weight. Because I think that sometimes that is what triggers that anxiety around people wanting to like not wanting to say things or having conversations like around sex or about lots of other things too. And if you can just like take a deep breath and be like, look, I'm good with what I'm doing, but I want to make sure I let the other person know. And it's not a big deal. Yeah. Then usually like, that's going to be much more conducive to success in the relationship, whatever the relationship is, whether it's just a hookup or whatever. Yeah. I love that point. And I'm just thinking on a lot of dating apps now, you're seeing a lot of people saying ethically non-monogamous, right? And so like there are lots of choices around that and everybody can make what choices they want. It's just great to be straightforward about them. But I appreciate the point about how you deliver that information. Um, Also, you know, important in this conversation is the idea of consent. Mm -hmm. Hopefully you've heard about this a lot before. (laughs) 
<laughs> There's been a lot of discussion around it. Now, this was not something that was in the teen magazines. No, it wasn't. It was not a discussion in the 80s and 90s that I was involved in. Yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. on a really, really, really basic level of like both people, hopefully, or however many people should be okay with this if you're going to move forward. But I like, I like, Marsha, how you say like consent can be sexy. Can you talk a little bit about consent being sexy? Well, I just think that like, so at face value, when, when I, we, this idea was first approached and like I first started hearing about it and like we teach at a university. So I assume we probably encounter conversations around this earlier than the general population. The first time I heard it, I'm like, that sounds so un like, like it just, it doesn't seem natural. I think that that's where I stuck on it is like, yeah. so I'm like making out with this, with someone and I'm like like enjoying it and it's like there's like this excitement of like what's to come and like right. literally <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> and then we have to like stop and be like do you consent to this <laughs> yeah well there's a lot of jokes in pop culture do you like have you seen the new girl episode where the where she's like gonna have sex with this guy and he's like do you consent to me kissing you do you consent yes. to me like touching your arm right now like do you consent to me whatever and it's just like it 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 is, uh, I think, what some of us fear that like, oh, my gosh, do I have to like say yes to everything and ask about every little, little, little thing in a way that feels like you said, like it's like taking away the sexiness of it. Yeah, that's exactly what I envision, too. Right. It it just takes you out of the moment and out of I mean, I think one part of sex that is so wonderful is that like there is this connection that you can have there, the intimacy that you have with another person that doesn't necessarily require conversation. It's like, it's literally this connection you have. And so when you have like this other type of conversation in the middle of, of starting kind of, it feels like it brings everything to a halt. And I think like, I think that's, a, I just want to name that discomfort or fear mm -hmm. or whatever, like whatever the feeling is around that, because I think that's something I haven't heard a lot of people say like outwardly when we have conversations like this, but it's what a lot of like people I know in a one-on-one -on -one conversation would say to me, right. Yeah. One of my friends would be like, yeah, but, but they don't want to say that in front of everyone. Cause they don't, they want to, they like, nobody wants to be like, I don't agree with consent. Right. Like, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Totally. I mean, and so, so I think also going back to your earlier point, much of this has to do with the nonverbals, the delivery of it, right? Yeah. Like checking in with somebody can be a sexy thing or it can be a weird, hesitant, like awkward thing too, right? The way that you say something, the way that you ask about something. But generally, it is important to be clear, to make sure that somebody else, to be clear and specific, right, about what you're saying yes to, to be able to change your mind that it's totally okay for somebody to say, I'm okay with this, but now I'm not okay anymore. Like this is, this is mm -hmm. my boundary, right? Everybody's allowed to have boundaries and to express those boundaries. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think this is where being in tune with the other person is really important. Like regardless of whether it's the first time you're hooking up with someone and maybe you don't really know them or you know them really well and you've like slept with them or had sex with them before times, yeah. whatever, yeah. right? is tuning into their nonverbals in particular, I think mm -hmm. is really, really important. And like seeing like, are they enthusiastically kissing you if you are kissing, yeah. right? Like, are they being receptive? Are they reciprocating? Or does it seem like they've frozen? Right. The freeze, I think, or is a really important one for us to recognize. Yeah. yeah. Because that's one of our, our reaction, right? It's right. Like, it's a trauma response. Right? It can be yeah. a trauma response, right? Right. Yeah. So yeah. if somebody's like non-responsive for all kinds of reasons, right? But yeah. like both they need to be conscious and responsive well, in that yeah, way, yeah, yeah. just to be very, very straightforward and clear. But also if they're like not enthusiastic, right? Like notice that mm -hmm. enthusiasm in another person, right? If they're, if they appear to be frozen in a situation, it may be that they're actually frozen and aren't able to articulate in that moment that they're not okay with what's happening. Yeah. I think that that, that's just so important 
important to be yes. able to tune into yes. because like if the goal, like I always like to think of when we talk about things like consent, what's the goal here is we want everyone involved in the interaction to be doing only things that they want to do and to be enjoying themselves. And to hopefully be having a good time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, I mean, maybe the biggest thing here is to just also say, pay attention to the other person. Right. Like that. Okay. We're going to talk about pleasure either today or another time soon, because that's a beautiful topic. But what's really fun about sex is not only feeling good yourself, but also making sure the other person is feeling really good too, which requires you to get out of your head and stop thinking about yourself and think Mm. about the other person who you or people that you are in an interaction with like this. Right. And so it's almost like that if you're really paying attention to how another person is experiencing things and whether they're feeling pleasure in this situation, you're going to know if at some point they're not having fun anymore. You're going to be aware of that in many cases. And if you're unaware, you ask and you make sure it's enthusiastic, right? Like like you yeah. want to be aware of those things. If you're not aware, then I think stop what you're doing. Yes. If there's a question then stop. Yeah. And if you're not, if you, if all you're doing is in it for yourself, please go self-pleasure, like go masturbate, yeah. right? Like if what you really want to do is get off, you can do that on your own. Yeah. Right. And like, again, no shame around masturbation. No, either. no, like, no, no, that. totally. Like wholeheartedly, please go self-pleasure. Please go do something that is just for you and your own pleasure. If you're not actually considering the other person. So we're also really want to talk about like what you need to have fun, like this conversation of pleasure and talking about pleasure and talking about we need just like one of my, I mean, this is like, this is the spicy stuff, right? This is the super fun stuff to talk about. And we're going to save that for a future episode because we have a lot to say about that. So thank you so much for this, like being with us in this conversation today. We hope you have some, had an opportunity to reflect on your own mindset and your own attitudes a bit through what we've shared and to think about how you might approach dating and sex. Thanks so much for listening to the PS Let's Talk Love podcast. We want to send out a special thank you to Medium Build for our show music. And if you enjoy this podcast, follow us anywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you want to support us, it's super helpful if you could give us a five-star rating and leave us a review sharing what you're loving right now. Really, we want to know. And if you don't like it and you got this far, don't worry. You do not have to listen to us again. You can just you can just forget this podcast exists and move along. You can catch up with us on Instagram at ps.welovelove or follow us on TikTok at psconsulting. If you're interested in private coaching or learning more about our online classes, go to pscurators.com to learn more and find free resources to support you. See you next time.